and many of you out there listening probably have experienced this. It usually happens around Thanksgiving. Every year Thanksgiving, we start to sit around and have meetings. And we have meetings where the executive team comes in and tells you how great you have been, how much ROI over last year, year over year you've improved, and we're about to give bonuses. They give bonuses to the executive team. You as a staff member don't see a bonus. And they tell you how many millions of dollars you have raised this year for the company. But yet you look at your salary and it does not increase. Kills morale. You're like, I made you millions and I can't even get a $2 raise. But yet this executive gets a bonus, but I'm doing the work. That's where the languages start. You know, they're like, well, when I come back off of this holiday break, I'm not working hard. You know, I'm, I'm gonna just do just enough. I, I've heard this cliche. They said that workers do just enough not to get fired and employers give you just as much, just enough salary for you not to quit. And that's right yep. where it was at. And so when you start to realize that you, you can say like with your team, Let's incentivize you by giving you skin in the game. If you can hit these numbers, this is your reward. You know, uh, everybody be on the same page. Or you can have time off. I mean, you know, there's many different ways you can incentivize. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I am live on the line with Mr. Marketology himself, Jeff Beal. Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am here. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. Awesome, glad to have you here. So uh, you're coming in from Atlanta, Georgia, you said, which is pretty cool. We haven't been there yet in our travels. For uh, audience who's still watching where we're going, we are still stuck in Kissimmee, Florida for our COVID crisis. Hopefully you guys are doing all right up there and uh, everyone is safe and healthy. Yes, yes, and you say stuck, like, like Kissimmee is a bad place to be stuck. You're right around Mickey <laughs> so Mouse and we, everybody else. <laughs> we tried really hard to get, we knew, we knew the lockdowns were coming. We tried really hard to get stuck in this particular resort. Um, and so we've been quite enjoying our, our stuckedness, if that makes sense. But <laughs> for someone who's used to traveling every couple of weeks, every three to four weeks, uh, being here for four months has been a, a little bit, uh, I don't know what you call it, you know. We're, we feel a little bit trapped, even though it's a nice yeah. place to be. But you know, you uh, you take take the silver lining. We got a you know got a nice lake and a pool, and the kids are having a good time. So it is what it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> so what I want to do real quick then is uh, run through a quick introduction for who you are for our audience who may not know you, and then we'll jump into your story. Sure. Um, so 
Jeff is a best-selling author and marketing strategist. He helps businesses leverage their knowledge to gain authority status in their industry. He uses something you call authority marketing to generate higher converting leads. Um, so what I want you to start off with, Jeff, Jeff, is tell us a little bit about your business now. Who is it that you serve? What do you offer them? Um, and you know, who's sort of your, your target audience? Okay, yes. Um, I have the Market Oddity uh, Group. And what we do is basically we help businesses uh, better strategize, I guess you say, build better strategies. Most businesses don't have a revenue problem. They really just have a strategy problem. And so we help bring yeah. to light and make that more practical. Um, we help companies that are looking to emerge in their actual market and build market share. Um, really, the bottom line is they're looking at growth. Um, and they need to figure out ways to understand how they can grow, where the holes are in the boat, how to plug those holes and move forward. So that's really what we do um, in a nutshell. Do you, do you work for specific types of companies, like specific sites or specific industries or anything? Typically, here's the thing. We work for companies that are already marketed. Um, we don't work as much with, with startups and, and, and new companies. Um, we work with companies that typically have um, already have a marketing department or a marketing agency. They already have marketing in place and they're looking to advance that. Typically, these companies range around, you know, um, a few million dollars a year revenue. Um, uh, usually, they'll have a, a, a staff of maybe five to 15 different people in marketing um, that they're looking at uh being more effective with that marketing and more efficient with their with their staff. So that's really the caveat. I know a lot of people go with demographics as far as they need to be making X amount of dollars annual, so forth and so on. But most of the companies we look at psychologically, their mindset is we are stuck right now with marketing that fails. We know we need to market, we are already marketing and we need to just take this to the next level. Awesome, awesome. And I assume you have a, uh... Uh, different approach than uh, than other people for building a, a marketing strategy for those companies? I do. I do. I, I look at, let's get into the minds of your audience. Can we, now this is in line with, with, with the hero show, can we telepathically get in their heads? And if we know what they're thinking, then you can convince them to do different things that you want them to do. Um, I, every, every time I speak at conferences, I tell people, have you ever said something to a friend and all of a sudden you start seeing ads all over your social media and your phone and so forth? And you're like, wow, we were just talking about that. Well, it's not magic. It's marketing. But how can we do that? And the only way we can do that is understanding who our customer is and how to think like they think to start controlling. Only, well, I wouldn't say controlling. That's so, such a villainous term, control what they think. But starting to get into their head and, and giving them suggesting things that make it seem as if it's their idea. And so that approach is the approach that I take to marketing versus the old marketing, which was push marketing. We're going to do these ads and we're going to do a commercial and we're going to keep pushing in your face. We're the best. We're the best. We're the best until you submit to us, you know, so that's the really the different approach that we take. Yeah, yeah I really like that. It's actually, uh, we run a, uh, uh, 
podcasting agency that uh, works with businesses, similar type of businesses. Um, and a lot of what our focus is, is helping them build a content machine out of their podcasts. So they get a lot of goodwill in their marketplace because of the content that they're creating and they're showing up everywhere. Um, yes. Same kind of approach where, where, you know, we just do a single part of their marketing strategy, which is the content portion. Um, but it's that same kind of idea that you can show up everywhere, everywhere, um, and you can do it in a way that provides goodwill into the marketplace um, and, you know, have it be a, a, a good part of your strategy. So it's really cool to see that you're, you guys are doing that, like, I, I assume on a whole, you know, all-encompassing sort of basis. Yes, it's omni-channel. So we look at different channels. We don't, you know, specify in one, like some people will say, do Facebook ads. Uh, we look at what works uh, for your company and then capitalizing on what works and then what doesn't work, we either fix it or we ditch it. <laughs> so <laughs> fix it or ditch and, it. And, and like how that. do they work together? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I want to find out then is how you ended up in this place where you are working with businesses and doing the marketing work that you're, you're doing. We talk about this as your origin story, right? Every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. We want to hear that story, basically. You know, were you born a hero? Were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you fall in love with marketing? Um, or did you start in a job and eventually move into becoming an entrepreneur yourself? Basically, just want to know where you came from. Oh, yes. And I kind of was, wasn't born a marketer. I was pushed out of my boss's window. And then as I was falling down to plummet my death, I finally learned marketing. So that's really how it worked. There I was, was a parachute doing, on the way down. No parachute, just all wind and, and, and sudden death. And then all of a sudden I was reborn into marketing. Um, I was in the military and uh, I was in control of the website for the Air Force. And I told my boss, basically this sucks. I was like, the website sucks. So he said, if you think you can do better, do better. Now this do better was not with better pay. This was just more tasks. And so as I'm getting into the website and learning web design, I said, well, we have a symposium and the way you're having people register isn't efficient. And of course my big mouth got me pushed back out the window again, do better then. So I had to learn how to drive more traffic to the website. Um, so from there, I transitioned out of the military into uh, corporate America into an agency that focused on government contracts. So with them, I learned how to leverage relationships and leverage, um, I guess you would say, marketing to government um, from an agency point of view. Um, then I moved to uh, 360i, which was a award-winning agency um, in SEO and SEM. So I started learning paid and organic search early on. This was around 2002, 2003. So it was very early on. So I started learning a little bit about that from an agency point of view. And yeah, so from really there, early. oh yes, different point of view, definitely different way of looking at things. Agencies look at things different than in-house. And that is the beauty of it all because they're removed from the, the, the politics of, of the workplace. Um, and they are have their ear to the ground when it comes to the different trends well before a lot of these companies even know that they exist. 
So yeah, working yeah. in an agency, I learned a lot. That was my going to see Yoda. That was that was sitting in front of yeah. the the master and learning. Um, because you're you're really sitting in the seats of the best. These guys are on top of it. So I learned a lot in the agency world. But in the agency world, I learned that there's different people in the agency. Most people don't realize the reason agencies cost so much is because you pay all the people. You have the technician. They're the ones that do the grunt work. You have the specialists. They specialize in certain things. You have the manager that manages them, and you have the account manager. You usually interact with the account manager. And the account manager just has a working knowledge, but they don't really know how to do it. And they just have a working knowledge to tell yeah. you this is what's being what's done. Being or what done. Needs to exactly. And so being a manager in an agency, I learned all the components of what it takes to, to make that work um, and, and make it work for a company and the expectations. That's the key. An agency's expectation is to keep you long-term by showing you results that keep you paying the retainer over and over. In-house is looking at, we just want revenue and results. We don't really care how you do it. The employees of the in-house is looking like, we're only getting paid a certain amount of money. We're not getting extra for extra results. So we want to minimize the amount of time we have to work for you. We don't want to work nights, weekends, and holidays but we still want to get the same pay. So everybody's expectations yep. and agendas are different. And so I started to see that. And I started to realize that. So moving from agency, I was catapulted into the planet of in-house. So I started working for companies and being their in-house marketing um, executive. So I, I got a chance to see it from an executive point of view versus from, I guess you would say, an employee or a staff worker point of view. So that was really interesting because the executive's point of view is totally different than the employee or the staff member. Executive, we're looking at bottom line. We want to look at revenue numbers. And again, we don't care what it takes to get it, nights, weekends, whatever. And employees, like, yeah, we're not yeah. getting paid any additional for, <laughs> for the revenue being increased. And we want to go home early and you know so everybody's agenda was different i started to realize the language was different so have you ever seen office space uh, i have all right you remember when the bobs came in and they asked the one guy what do you do here he says well i take the documents from the technician to the client and they were like why can't the technician take it to the client. He said, because I'm a people person. What he was saying was the language is different. They are talking one language and the executive is talking a different language and they're not hearing what each other's saying. So I was able to speak the language because now I could speak, I could speak Klingon. I could actually speak what the technicians were talking because I knew how to do it. So I knew where they were coming from. I could speak executive because I knew what they were looking for. And I sat at the meetings and the board meetings and so forth. So I knew what they were looking for. I could speak agency speak because I've already worked at an agency and managed at an agency. And so I said, wow, 
That's my power. That's my superpower. I can make the marketing practical because I can speak in languages in different silos and make them all work together because everyone's not hearing what each other's saying because they don't understand the language. They don't know what people's expectations and end goals are. They're just looking at their own. And that's yeah. when I put my cape on and realize, hey, you've got something. So I merged from the, the corporate world and started my own consultancy. And I started consulting with and advising with different companies, um, talking with them and their teams on how they could put together better strategies, keeping everybody's agenda in mind and putting it and baking it into their strategy. So it'd be, it would become what was practical. And I didn't come up with the practical angle. I literally start hearing that over and over again from clients. You make things practical. It's practical. It's practical. I say, well, that's the value. The value isn't the marketing. The marketing strategies, they come and they go. The, the actual marketing aspect isn't powerful if you don't ever implement it. If you never take the action, it's never, never going to work. But the reason people aren't taking action is because they're not understanding it in a practical term, in a way that everybody buys in and wants to, to make, make it work. And so that's when I started realizing building out the strategies and making it practical is really the strength versus saying, let me show you how to do Facebook ads. Let me show you how to do this and giving them the technical aspect of marketing. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. And, um, you know, I know in, in uh, my career, I had a, a similar path where I had uh, um, was working with some companies that were teaching me marketing and then I started my own agency and then I, uh, um, I got into uh, an executive position as a marketing director um, and learned how all that stuff worked on that side and then went back into my own agency after that. Um, and it was, uh, it was interesting because one of the things that, um, I, I did, because you mentioned, you know, not having the same motivations as the director of marketing, I was like, I want part of my compensation to be based on the results that we generate. Yes. Um, so we, uh, um, and so it worked out that way. And actually we were able to, uh, um, to build that into a, the whole marketing team where, so the marketing team was actually compensated for the results, um, instead of not being compensated. And it's a practical thing, right? You want them to be as excited as the executive team about the things, so we reward them for it. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, you gotta incentivize. I mean, here's the thing. I know you know, and many of you out there listening probably have experienced this. It usually happens around Thanksgiving. Every year Thanksgiving, we start to sit around and have meetings and we have meetings where the executive team comes in and tells you how great you have been, how much ROI over last year, year over year you've improved, and we're about to give bonuses. They give bonuses to the executive team. You as a staff member don't see a bonus. And they tell you how many millions of dollars you have raised this year for the company. But yet you look at your salary and it does not increase. Kills morale. <laughs> You're like, I made you millions and I can't even get a $2 raise. But yet, this executive gets a bonus, but I'm doing the work. That's where the languages start. You know, they're like, well, when I come back off of this holiday break, I'm not working hard. 
you know, I'm I'm gonna just do just enough. I, I've heard this cliche. They said that workers do just enough not to get fired, and employers it give you just as much just enough salary for you not to quit. And that's right yep. where it was at. And so when you start to realize that you you can say like with your team, let's incentivize you by giving you skin in the game. If you can hit these numbers, this is your reward. You know, uh, everybody will be on the same page. Or you can have time off. I mean, you know, there's many different ways you can incentivize. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool, um, and I, I love the I love the discussion of language being your superpower. So I want I want to introduce and talk a little bit about superpower, your superpower, um, right? We say every iconic hero has their superpower, right? Whether that's fancy flying suit made by genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder um, from the sky. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius. It's a skill or a set of skills that you were born with or developed over time. Sounds like you developed yours. Um, over time working with these, but it, it's the superpower that sets you apart and allows you to help people slay their villains, so to speak, and come out on top in their own journeys. So I want you to talk a little bit more about this superpower as as a language, because I always, I, I think language is probably one of the most fascinating things that we have, because it, you know, it goes all the way down into like how we think and how we communicate and everything that we do is all based on language. Our dreams are all in language. Um, so, I, you know, talk a little bit more about that superpower and sort of how you you came to the conclusion that language was your superpower yeah so i started to like realize being that i was sitting in the different seats over my career i started observing how my co-workers looked at different things that were said and how they approached different campaigns based on how they were directed and i started to sit there and notice that everybody even your customers and audience are self-serving. So if you don't have something in it for them, it's very they're true. not interested. <laughs> you know, so that was the, the thing. So as I'm sitting in these meetings, I'm listening to these in, intelligent individuals talk about how great they were and their programs were. And so I'm sitting and I'm looking at that across the board. And the majority of people I'm noticing are in these, these meetings are saying, my department's doing this, this, and this. And we're accomplishing da 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 And then another department saying, no, they're not that great because we're doing this, this, and this. And the executive, they're just saying, well, we don't really care. We want to see what revenue you're bringing in. And I started realizing the language that they're speaking is, I want to be acknowledged and appreciated. And at the end of the day, just like your children, they want to be loved, not acknowledged, and appreciated by the parent. So yeah, I, I got a whole pile of them. You probably hear them in the background. So I know that one for sure. For sure. <laughs> yes. I mean, we all want it. We all want it. And so when I started realizing that, I started looking at, you know, a lot of these guys are just doing busy work. They're not pushing the needle. They're just doing busy work and they come in and they skew the numbers so the numbers look good for their department, but they're not, they're, there's no initiative for them besides a pat on the back. So I started looking at, first of all, how can we understand the language of the audience, your customers? What do they want to hear? What do they really want? 
And a lot of times we don't look at what they want because we're so focused on what we offer. And honestly, they don't care what you offer at all. They want the results, just like the executives. They want what you, fast food is what used to be my guilty pleasure, but it's not the food. They're very seldom that you go to a fast food restaurant and say, man, that was a gourmet meal. That was awesome. The food usually isn't that good. It's the convenience. And you want the convenience. There's one exception to that. In-N-Out Burger makes burgers that are just next otherworldly. Really? See, we don't have In-N-Out here in Atlanta. See, yeah. you, need, you, need, you need to visit San Diego at some point and go to an In-N-Out Burger, and you'll have the one exception to the rule that fast food isn't fantastic. Really? So I've heard of it. I need to get out to California. Yeah, the, the last time I was out there, I think we were, what is it, Jack in the Box? I think Jack in the Box was uh, yeah, yeah. Jack in the Box. One. But yeah, I need to try the In-N-Out Burger. But yeah, yeah. Jack, you know, most most of your burgers, fast food, not gourmet food. For whatever reason, In and Out burgers are like next level. <laughs> Anyways, continue your point. They probably have the real real ingredients, but they yeah, yeah. I'm fairly certain they actually sell crack cocaine like out their drivers <laughs> their drive through window because you know the line. Judging by the line at all hours of the night, um, that's the only you know the conclusion that I've come to is that they sell drugs. That's funny because I actually, I actually saw a, um, um, and this might be it, I saw a uh, TV show where they had uh, weed-infused wings. So they literally baked their wings with, with weed, I guess, mixed into the barbecue sauce or the buffalo sauce. And so people were loving the wings, but they didn't know that was the reason. <laughs> so, oh, no. That is funny. But, but yes, I mean... It's convenient. And, and really, when you think about it, it's not that convenient when you have to drive there, get it, and so forth. But you're looking at, I don't have to cook. I don't have to clean up after myself, blah, blah, blah. They're not selling you good food. They're selling you convenience at low prices. And so that is understanding your audience what they really, really want. And I had to do the same thing. My audience don't want marketing. Do you know what marketing is for my customer base? Work. Just an expense. Yeah. yeah. It's work. I mean, I'm telling you to do more stuff, spend more money on this. It's that the benefit is more customers, more revenue, company growth. That's what they want. They don't want marketing. And it took me years to realize that. Because I would tell people how great marketing is for their company and you should market and you should do SEO and you should do Facebook and you should do social media. But at the end of the day, for the employees, that's more work. For the executive, that's an extra expense, more overhead. They don't want that. So I started to realize that's really what we're missing. The audience, our audience, we haven't figured out what they really want we're so busy telling them what they need and nobody wants to hear what you need so yeah you know yeah. it's that whole whole concept you know when it boils down to it everyone just wants to look good naked right that's yes. you know that's the uh, um you know and you just have to find out what is what does that mean for your customer what does it mean to look good naked and for you know for companies and marketing you're talking about driving sales and driving revenue um exactly. and those kind of things 
Exactly. You know, and if you take that outside in into your house and you say, my, my employees, this is what they want. They want to be acknowledged. They want to be praised. They want to be compensated. You know, they want Christmas cards to their family or, or back. Oh man, I had this one company used to send us, what is the name of that uh, chocolate company? Swiss, Swiss something. I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember. Yeah, they would uh, seize candy. Is it seize candy? It might be that they would send that to every every employee, and you would get a box of that, and it and it would be like, oh wow, that that's neat. You know, they appreciate. Which I mean, for the company expense, it probably didn't cost them much of anything to do, but you felt appreciated. Um, um, that's what they want. The executives at the end of the at the end of the day. We look at the executives as if they are Thor, Zeus. We look at them like that. Oh, bow down. Oh, end of the day, they want to look good for their shareholders. <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, their job is based on how much productivity they can pull in and revenue. Because if they don't, they'll get let go. You know, the shareholders control their destiny. So understanding that, um, at, you know, a lot of times we all want basic needs. How can we relay that in our communications back and forth to where we have a win-win situation instead of a yeah. I-win situation? That's the, uh, the basics of marketing, right? I, I tell people all the time that, uh, you know, like our, our uh, what would you call it, the sub you know our sub headline right for our business i don't know what the word is for it but is basically that you know modern day marketing is like alchemy right it's oh, like yeah. the alchemy of old if you learn to master it you can turn your words into gold and the uh um the the basic concept is that you have to learn what the other person really wants what yeah. what does it mean to them to look good naked and you just have to communicate that to them right um and that's really what good marketing is good marketing is finding out what does the other person want and then finding mm -hmm. out how how whatever you offer can give that to them, right? Yeah. Or, or developing developing an offer that lets you give that to them. One of the two, right? Exactly. Um, That's exactly it. I mean, to be honest, this is what somebody told me early in my years when I first got married, and I was one of those young pups that loved to bark, and I'm going to win this argument. And they said, you know, what makes a happy marriage? is if you can make your wife think it was her idea at all times. And you always win. That is accurate. <laughs> he was like, stop trying to fight and force your way. And this is going to, you know, my way, my way. No, make it seem as if it's her idea. And as long as it's her idea, you'll get what you want every time. Yep, yep. And, you know, we did the same thing with, uh, with our kids. And yeah. you include them and you build them up and you make them a part of the decisions and the discussion, even if, you know, with children, you're restricting their decisions, but either way, it's the way you want to go, right? But you make them part of it. And, yeah. You, know, you get a lot less fight um, when they're, they're involved and they're a part of the discussion. Um, you yeah. know, that's one of my, uh, one of my goals in life is to, you know, make my wife feel like a million bucks all the time. So, yeah, you know, you have to, you, you have to. And even with, even with children, it's so funny. One of the easiest ways to make them eat their vegetables, we all laugh about the eat your vegetables, is to 
either show them somebody that they admire eating it or make it a game to where they get you to eat it and make it a contest. Be like, you know, you want to make me eat these bro this, this broccoli? And they're like, yeah. Okay, well, I don't know. Show me how to eat the broccoli and then I'll eat some. And I mean, it's their idea. They're like, well, I'm going to eat this broccoli. I'm going to watch you eat this broccoli. <laughs> okay, whatever. I was going to eat the broccoli anyway. <laughs> so it's like, okay. We, we, we do this thing where uh, we for the vegetables where we'll have whatever our, you know, the sweet thing is at the end of dinner. Um, mm -hmm. And they have, to, they have to eat their vegetables to earn the sweet thing. And that's very yeah. motivating for our kids for some reason. It's, you know, they got to they gotta earn it. Exactly. And, and it's fun and they want to do it versus you're going to eat it and you're going to sit there until you do. You know, then yeah. it's like, eh. I don't, don't want to do it, you know. My uh, my my wife has always sort of figured that I have some sort of magical power for you know when you ever if you've ever called the the um, cell phone company or the cable company or the utility company and you like have a problem and you need to get what you want. Mm -hmm. um, and my approach has always been, what is the person on the other side of the phone like? What's their motivation, right? And their yeah. motivation is they want to go be able to go back to their boss and say, hey, I you know I saved another customer today or they want, they want their numbers to look good at the end of the day. So if you go into the conversation knowing what the customer service rep needs to get out of the conversation, it's really easy to get them to agree to what you need, right? Because you're focused on what they want, right? And it's the same kind of thing. And my wife's always like, I don't know how you do that. You always get whatever you want from the customer service reps. And it's the same concept. It's just basic marketing, finding out what is it that they want? What do they need? You know, <laughs> and how does them helping me do what I need, get them what they want? Exactly. And it really does work. I do the same thing. I'll say, look, I understand this is going to be touchy, but this is what's going on. So let me give you backstory to tell you what's going on. And I understand that you are just doing your job and we, we set that. That's done. Okay. So in order for me to be happy and for you to be the hero, this is what I would like to have happen. You know, now let me give you the alternative. If this doesn't happen and I start writing bad reviews and I start complaining and I didn't go up to your supervisor, you're not going to be the hero, you know, and they start to say, you know what? All right, let me see what I can do. Because you're like, look, I'm going to be honest. I can fuss at you and curse at you and da, 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 da. And we'll start to go back and forth as if you truly have control. Like this is really your account and you have control. I understand you're just doing your job. So now that that's out the way, can I get something on my end? Because look, this is frustrating for me and this is why. And if you can help me with this, yeah. I'll be so happy to give a good survey or whatever you need, but just help me out. And, and a lot of times they're like, you're right, you know, let me see what I can do. I usually don't do this or we usually can't do this, but Here's something yeah, and it's refreshing. Do. It's refreshing for them to not get cussed out by someone, right? Yeah. Someone who's actually looking out for what they need, um, yeah. which is cool, right? So that so so the superpower is that language, right? It's that ability to see what the other person wants and needs, and be able to connect what what you need, what your offers are, develop an offer for them. That's your superpower. Mm -hmm. So the flip side then of your superpower is your fatal flaw, right? So like, every Superman has his kryptonite, and every Wonder Woman out there can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad. Um, so you probably had a flaw that's held you back in your business, something that you struggled with. For me, it's a couple of things, you know, perfectionism that kept me from shipping, right? Or a lack of self-care that, you know, let me, uh, for a lot of years, let my clients walk all over me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's something like, uh, you know, being a visionary, but lacking the discipline to actually like implement on all the things, which is something else I struggled with for a long time. But I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to rectify it so that you can continue to grow your agency? Um, and hopefully sharing, sharing this will, you know, our audience will learn a bit from your experience on that. I, I have two kryptonites. Um, the one is overthinking. Overthinking has been a very, very crippling kryptonite out there. Um, always trying to, like you say, perfect, perfect everything. And not just saying it's good enough, take action, modify. You know, and, and that's been mm-hmm. uh, one thing that I'm continuing to work with. Um, it's easier for clients because they can draw that line in the same. They can say, okay, let's just go. Um, when it's my own company, I'm the one that makes that decision. So it, it, a lot of times things, I, I'll look at goals and I'll look and say, wow, I, I wrote that down five years ago. You know, I, I was planning on doing that like five years ago and I still haven't done it because I've, I've rechanged and modified it all these times, but the failure to launch, I never did launch it to see if it actually would have worked. So that's the one thing um, that has been a kryptonite. I've been that's a, consistently that's a tough one too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second's kind of in line. Um, and a lot of my clients, I try to guide them out of this and it's the shiny new tool is get you know in marketing you see all these different things that you can use solutions software tools techniques and you're like oh and then you drop what you're doing everything we plan and we're going to redirect over to well this is going to date our podcast but TikTok, you know it's like TikTok. oh everybody's yeah, on TikTok. Yeah. let's do TikTok. Instead of saying, you know what, TikTok's new. We don't know if it's still going to be around in two, three years, you know, and we don't even know if our audience is on it and how they react to TikTok. So let's focus on what's working, perfect that. And then if TikTok works its way in over time, then great. But let's not drop everything else because TikTok is the new thing. And, and I think that that's the other, other thing. I will sometimes get into a time uh, I guess you say yeah. vortex, you know, time vortex, because <laughs> I'm looking at all these shiny new things that are out nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to, uh, the way that I deal with that is I like to have a subset of either time or budget that is allowed for experimentation. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like 10% of the time or 10% of the budget. That's like, hey, we can, and, and then we, when a client comes to you like, hey, I found, saw this cool new thing that we want to try. I'm like, that goes into the experimental category, right? <laughs> but we're not going to stop all the stuff that's working. So if yeah. you want to, we can, we can redirect 10% of the budget to experimental stuff, understanding that it may or may not work. Are you willing to throw this money away to see whether or not something works? Um, and yeah. That conversation is much, much more productive than just letting them throw everything, the baby out with the bathwater to try something new. I need to, I need to adopt that then, because I usually, that becomes a meeting after meeting after meeting because they're stuck on one. We want to try it. I'm kind of excited because yeah. I'm like, so it's it's one of those things you can actually get get your clients when you when you frame it that way as like, hey, this is an experimental part. We can take no more than ten percent of your budget or fifteen or whatever it is for experimental stuff. 
you can get your clients to pay you to learn new platforms, right? And be like, okay, this is new for us. Um, and it's new for you and it's experimental platform. And if you want us to figure this out with you, we can, but this is what it's going to be. And you have to understand this might be throwaway budget, right? And some of your clients will just be like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Um, and then you get paid to learn something, right? Get paid to add new services. So that's, yeah. that's always fun. You, you, you've given me the shield that I needed. You're giving me Captain America's shield that I needed. Cause yeah, that is, and that's why I get caught into it because it's fun. So I'm like, cool, let's do it. <laughs> but then, then the whole strategy is put on the shelf. So um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I'm and then, you, then you, learn, you learn how to, because uh, you keep the whole strategy in place and you learn how you can tie something new into it, right? So it's it becomes part of the strategy instead of a distraction to the strategy. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, that's, a, uh, it, that's the way I've approached it. Um, and it's worked really well for me. Uh, so, you know, in, in a slightly different space for the marketing that we do, but yeah, that's, uh, that's really helpful. Um, and on the other one, the whole, the, the, the thing that you were mentioning first about uh, um, not shipping, right? Um, mm -hmm. And being an overthinker, the way that I had to solve that in my business, because I'm the same way, like with my clients, we can just get shit done all, all day long, right? Because yeah. it's their stuff and we need to get it done. But with your own business is that, that, you know, I call it the cobbler's son syndrome, right? Where yeah. everyone else's shoes in town are really good, but your son's shoes have holes in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, is I had to start bringing in um, my team members to start being like, hey, this is the thing that needs to get done. And I need you to either A, you know, take it over once it gets to this point and take it to the shipping section, right, where it actually gets out to market. Or um, alternatively, if it's something that I have to put the finishing touches on before it can be shipped, that you have permission to bother me until it's done. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm have, have to have my, my assistant do that, you know, um, yeah, stay yeah. on me and say, okay, yeah, it's time to get this out. Yeah. yeah, it's time to get it out. So I'll be like, I'll, I'll give them rules. I'll be like, so in my head, I have the rules that like, I know I would be comfortable shipping here, but then when it comes to actually shipping it, I'm like, oh, but I could tweak this and I could do this other thing and I could make some changes here and maybe it could be different. And then, you know, two years go by and nothing's ever been done. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure you, you feel that um, is, is like, I know what my minimum viable product is. So I'll let my, um, either my assistant or my staff members know, be like, hey, this is where it needs to be before it's ready to ship. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and then, it's, then, you know, I will either hand it off when it gets to that point so that they're responsible for shipping it. And then I don't have to, you know, do my whole overthinking game, um, and put it off forever or be like, Hey, you know, just constantly bug me about, is it to this point yet? And yeah. as soon as it gets to that point, take it from me and publish it or ship it or whatever <laughs> needs to happen. <laughs> and you know, and, and, and also it changes your mind mindset because when I think digging into it deeper, when you're doing for yourself, you allow yourself permission to not get it done. But when you know somebody else is relying mm -hmm. on you, you want to be that hero. So you're like, I got to get it done for them. And so when your team is counting on you, now you can kind of push it out and say, I got to get it done because my team members are, are, are depending on me to get it done versus I'm doing it for myself and uh, I get around to it because it's just for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I'm doing right now, and this is just an experiment on, on myself, um, is I got a big, long, like high-end course I want to build, but it's going to mm -hmm. be a lot of content to create. Um, and creating it for, uh, for no one, you know, because I don't, I'm just not actually going to the market, is very hard to do, 
right? It's very hard to say like, I just need to get it done because I just need to do it myself, right? So what I'm doing is um, I am in the process of recording each little video and releasing them for free for a limited time kind of thing until it's finished. And like, Mm -hmm. I've got a little intro at the beginning that says, hey, this, this is part of a big course that'll be paid at some point. And mm-hmm. so if you're watching this on a public forum, right, Facebook or YouTube or iTunes or whatever, um, it's going to go away, right, um, as soon as I finish. But I'm getting people bought into this idea that like, hey, I, and it's not even for them, like, it's just for me. And now yeah. I've got an audience of people who are like, I'm waiting for the next video. I'm waiting for the next training thing. Even if it's only a few people, okay. now it's not just, it's not for me. It's for the audience that I'm building it for. Mm-hmm. And the benefit they get out of it is they're going to get free access to all this really great content. Um, and the benefit for me is that I get the shit done, right? I actually gets put in, you know, put out into the marketplace and it should, if it goes the way I plan, I should a get the content done, B have a ready audience of people who really enjoyed the content, um, and you know, get testimonials out of it and the whole nine yards. But it's that whole concept of like, how can you, for me, it's how do you play with the psychological barriers that you have to make sure that you get the work done you need to get done. Right. Um, it's the whole idea of like, hey, if you want to remember to brush your teeth all the time, if you take a shower every day, maybe bring your put your toothbrush in the shower. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I'm putting the toothbrush yeah. in the shower. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. And, you know, you might can transition to a pre-sale model. I've, I've, um, I've worked with clients that actually have pre-sale models to where you sell the course before you even start making it. And that that gives you that obligation to make it. So you literally put it on the market at a reduced price and you um, then from there, you start outlining your curriculum and putting dates behind it that this day I'm going to record this. And so it makes it to where, you know, people have prepaid. So they're actual customers and it's like, yeah, we've done that before too. Yeah. So that, that works really well. It's the same kind of thing where you're, uh, you're forcing yourself to get the content done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so both of those, uh, I think will work really well. This one, I'm, I'm trying this specifically because I want to see if I can create a, like a huge groundswell of people who are really interested in the content itself. Um, yeah. so building, building audiences with pixels and that kind of thing, people who are interested in what we're doing. Um, so anyways, it's, it's sort of a, it's plus, an experiment on my part. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I mean, it's good when you're not talking to yourself. I think that's the yeah. biggest challenge when it comes to creating courses in a vacuum because in the back of your mind you know i'm only talking to myself <laughs> but when you're doing it this way you know that virtually i'm talking to people that will have feedback so i need to elevate my my game in a sense versus eh, i'm just recording this video it's just me and my computer and that's it you know yeah, yeah. You put you put on your game face, or you know, like my my wife tells me that when I get on these podcasts, because she, she'll she'll be in the other room. She's like, I can tell when you go live because you put on your radio voice. Yeah. Um, and right, you you know, if you're just recording to the computer, it's very hard to turn that on. But when you get on with someone else, it's really easy to turn on that personality, so to speak. You know, turn it up to eleven. Yeah. Right. It's not like it's fake. Yeah. It's just you have to turn yourself up a bit. Um, and that, you know, that's, it's, it's much easier to do when you actually have real people on the other side. That is so true. I think it's just, it's just in our wiring. I think we're naturally communicators and our, our wiring knows when we are actually talking and the energy is being passed between two different individuals versus when you're not, when it's not. So, yeah. 
absolutely. So I think that was a really good sort of discussion of language on both sides, right? Figuring out, you know, your superpower is language and then your fatal flaw is actually, it's the way that you talk to yourself, right? It's, yeah. a, it's, it's sort of like the flip side of that same coin. Um, so what I wanna talk about next is your common enemy, right? So every superhero has what I call an arch nemesis, right? It's a thing that constantly you have to fight against in their world, right? So in the world of business, it takes on many forms, but generally speaking, we put it in the context of your clients, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you're constantly having to fight to overcome with your clients um, so that you can get them, you know, better, cheaper, faster, higher degree of results, whatever that thing is, mm -hmm. right? Um, and if you had your magic wand and you could just start a relationship and whack them on the head with it, not deal with this anymore, what would that common enemy be in your business? <laughs> I would say it would be the um, ready-made gurus, ready-made experts. Those are the enemy. Um, even though I, I, I don't have any like animosity toward them, but a lot of times businesses will look at these guys that will flash money and they say, hey, you just do this technique and you're going to get rich quick and you know, I, I I always joke about it. You know, I uh, last year I was on my brother's couch and uh, had no place to go. And then I started doing these Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube ads, whatever the technique. And now I'm a millionaire and I've got this yacht and I've got this beautiful home and I've got this beautiful, you know, first of all, I'm not saying that they're not telling the truth. But I question some of the truth in it, being that I have also marketed some of these people. And I know that they rent and lease the homes and the vehicles and so forth. It's not theirs, you know? And the money that they're making isn't money that they've generated for their business. It's those that bought the course because they bought the sizzle, they bought the dream. And they made the mm -hmm. money off of the dream and not the actual what they're selling you, per se. So. It's hard when you're talking to a business because going back to language, their audience is not a business. Their audience is a, is, is a I would say, entrepreneur, solopreneur, entrepreneur, or just somebody new trying to get into some opportunity. They are not looking at an established business. Most of these courses, their methods don't work for established businesses. And there's a lot of key words that they'll say, like they'll say, I manage millions of dollars in Facebook ads. It's not your millions though. You might've had an account like with a, let's say a Home Depot or a Lowe's or a Walmart. And yes, they're spending millions of dollars, but they're spending it with you in an agency, which you have other team members helping you. You know, it wasn't your magic that all of a sudden turned everything around. It was, the system that they had, plus if you knew anything about advertisement, the more money you spend, the easier it is to make your money back. It's harder when you're doing with a thousand dollars versus a hundred thousand. Yes, because a lot of businesses know at the upper echelon, when you start spending enough money, these platforms actually give you a rep that'll do your ass for you. So you don't really even need another person. You can call them and say, hey, we're not performing the way we should be performing. And they will have a meeting with you, with their ad agency, with their ad rep and say, hey, why don't we modify this? Why don't you look at changing that? And they'll help you optimize your ads, but you have to spend enough money to get there. 
Yeah, so when, yeah, we have the same thing happening right now with clients on Amazon that, you know, we hit a certain revenue point and certain amount of money on ads and their ad reps from Amazon start calling us, be like, hey, we noticed you're doing these things. I, I've been assigned to your account. My job is to basically make you more money, right? Yeah. Because the more money you make, the more money we make, right? So it's a win-win for them once you hit a size that it, make, that it matters. Um, so. <laughs> and, and, and it goes back to that language. Who are they talking to? But these businesses will get confused and think that they're talking to them, but they're not. They're talking to people that have a little bit of income, that have a dream and want to get rich quick, not knowing that the process doesn't work that way in most cases. Now, you might have a unicorn every now and again that'll hit it big, but in most cases, it doesn't. But a business will come in and say, hey, we need to do this. We need to, to buy into this. We need to... And then, then they're like, why doesn't it work? Well, they're not really looking at a business that's doing that type of marketing. They're looking at somebody that's sitting at home saying, I want to quit my job and build my empire. And that's their target audience. So they're not speaking the same language at all, but the business isn't, isn't realizing that they're speaking French and you're speaking Spanish. So that, that's really it. I mean, that would be my arch nemesis because a lot of times the, the information that they pass, you're consistently fighting with them to say, that's not a good idea for your business. And then, no, 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 this is so-and-so. And they made millions of dollars and they said, we should do this, this, and this. Yeah, but that isn't for a business. That's for, let's say, a, a solo or entrepreneur that's a one man show. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> they don't, they don't have to make payroll. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just to, to put it in simple terms. Right. So one of, one of the things that, uh, um, my, my arch nemesis, so to speak in, in a lot of the business that I talk to is, uh, this idea that, um, selling online, right. So if you're selling online courses or if you're selling, uh, masterminds, if you're selling coaching, or if you're selling services, even, that you have um, your, your, you have no cogs, right? You have no cost of goods sold. We're like, hey, we're not physical products. We're not, you know, putting solar panels on people's roofs. We don't have construction fees. We don't have, you know, a big warehouse. We don't have all this stuff. So it should be, it should be extremely profitable, right? We'll spend, you know, ten dollars in ads and we'll make a hundred dollars in sales every time, right? And it's just, you know, they they have this mistaken thought that that's that's the way that online sales work and it it doesn't right because yeah. you know your products and your services and whatnot all of your big companies they target you know 28 to 35 percent margins and your business is going to run the same way right you're you're going to have a much higher cost of advertising cost of goods sold than a physical product because yeah. you don't you're not selling a physical product you're selling either a service or you're selling a uh, um, a course or you're selling education you're selling something that is not tangible yeah. and the moment the thing that you're selling is not tangible the advertising cost of sale goes through the roof yeah right so you're you're easily more than making up that you know savings so to speak um on not having all of the uh, the physical product style things or physical services kind of things by the cost of goods sold and like that's that's the thing that I, a conversation i constantly have to have with businesses is you know, you're not, you're not in some magical fairy wonderland, right? It's still a legit business. You still have to actually put in the time and the effort and you have to put in the, uh, the money to make it work, right? You're going to, 
you know, if you make a hundred dollars and you, you manage to get your cost of goods sold and your advertising cost of goods sold to that, you know, 70% mark, you're doing really good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And a lot of times you have to experiment and spend to get to that point. So your first couple of things to figure it all out might, you might have a 10% margin or 12% margin and you have to be able to eat on that, right? You have to yeah. be able to feed your family and make payroll and those kind of things. Yeah. And, and that, that's really with the information age, that's the problem. There's so much information out there and there's so many great stories that are put out there. It's hard to realize practically or logically what makes sense. And it's like, wait a minute, that, that doesn't make sense in business, but it sounds yeah. good on YouTube. You know what yeah, I mean? It's that, it's that Instagram life. It's that whole, whole idea that what you're seeing is you're seeing the best version of someone else, right? Yeah. And you're not seeing, you know, everything that went in to make the best version. You're just seeing the best version, whatever, you know, all the filters they put on and the fancy stuff. It's not, you know, it's their Instagram life. It's not their real life, right? And as yeah. someone who travels full time and goes all over the world with my kids and stuff like that, I can tell you, it's not all Instagram fancy, right? I'm, I, I'm currently hopped up on Tylenol because I hurt my back yesterday doing normal everyday things. Oh, oh right? wow. it's, yeah. It's, right? It's, they're, they're, it's real life. And the same thing is true in business, right? You, you have expenses and you have real world business stuff and your marketing costs are going to be a lot higher than you expect them yeah. to be. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a language barrier, right? Um, and that one's a visual language where people are, they're looking at like, Hey, we're seeing these stories of people that are, you know, they're selling a good story, right? Yeah. And selling a good story is very profitable. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not going to translate into good technical advantage for tactical advantage for your business. Exactly. I, one, one good example of that is uh, some of these uh, children that have grown these multi-million dollar businesses online and, and they're amazing. Like Caleb but they're, also Le, but they're also LeBron James's daughter, Steph Curry's daughter. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, anything they would have did would have been successful because their parents have already laid down the, the you know, but you're looking at you're standing we need to start on the shoulders doing, of giants. Exactly. We need to start doing some YouTube shows um, because, you know, so-and-so's kid only 11 years old and they made a million dollars. They could have walked outside and sold lemonade and made a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, look, look beyond, beyond. Like I always tell my clients, there is a real Wizard of Oz. That's the reason I love that movie, The Wizard of Oz. When you get to that yellow brick road's end and you pull back that curtain, usually there's nothing that you thought. It was all small screens and mirrors. And, you know, all of the marketing messages, a good marketer tells you what you want to hear. So cut through all that, pull that curtain back, see that little old man, and, and then you can say, oh, this is really what it is versus the giant in the sky that's talking down to you that you thought was the wizard. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. So if your arch nemesis is the false stories and the false narratives that people, that businesses buy into, the flip side of your common enemy is your driving force, right? It's what you fight for. Um, so just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or, you know, Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. Um, we want to know what you fight for, right? You have a mission. We just want to know what it is. Well, I, I really fight for, I would say, economic power. I feel that if 
with marketing, if you can show people how they can grow their businesses, businesses, how they can grow their businesses and look at things in a practical way and a, log a logical way, then their mindsets will change to where they can take that to other businesses. They can take that to their own businesses and then they can teach that to their children and their children can build these businesses because they're looking yeah. at it in a way that isn't, I have to be rich already. I have to do what everyone else is doing. They're looking at, I know what somebody's needs are. I hear them. I know how I can benefit them. And I know how I can communicate that benefit to them. And so practicing that with businesses can help me to get the message out there and hopefully they take it away with them and use it in their own life. Because I think once we start teaching our children a different way of approaching business, they can start building their own empires. And then once that happens, we don't have the poverty problems that we have today because they know how to turn on a marketing machine to take care of their basic necessities. So that's really what, what I guess you would say my Gotham is. Yeah, yeah, it's a, um, I've, I've long believed that the solution to almost every problem we have in our world is gonna be found in the hands of entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. So business can solve generational poverty, business can solve hunger, business can solve all the major problems that we have. Um, yeah. And I love that you're, you're using that as a, you know, it's, it's your push, right? It's the thing, the legacy that you're leaving is teaching people how to actually think through and build businesses and marketing is that foundational skill right and I remember thinking to myself when I got into marketing you know I was like 12 or 13 when I really started falling in love with marketing um, and thinking that I was like it's the it's one of those it's one of those one skills right like if you get good at this one thing you'll never yeah. go hungry right because everyone no matter what even if the world falls into an apocalypse people are going to need to know how to sell goods to someone else <laughs> yes. to know how to speak people, that language people are and get things need to know how to sell the bow and arrows to shoot the zombies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and even if you're talking about, you know, I'm going to trade you my, uh, my, my sheep for your bows and arrows or whatever, right. It's still, it's still marketing, right. It doesn't matter what happens in the world, the ability to communicate with someone else, find out what it is that they need and how you can either build or develop an offer that meets that need. And you guys can both win in that, in that uh, transaction. It's what makes the world go round. Right. Yes. So it's, it's one of those foundational skills that I think more people, the more people that learn it and understand it, um, the better we all do. I agree. I do agree. Cool. So I want to talk about some practical things real quick. Um, I call this your hero's tool belt. Um, and just like every superhero has their tool belt with awesome gadgets like batterings and web slingers or laser eyes or big magical hammers. Um, talk about one or two tools that you couldn't live without in your business. Could be anything from your notepad to your calendar to your marketing tools or something you use to, for your product delivery. Anything that you think is essential to getting the job done. Top one or two things that you're like, I use this every single day and it helps me do what we do. Oh, man. Um, that is a great one. I would say every day, email, <laughs> email. Um, uh, forms of communication. I mean, um, it is, is one of the tools necessary. Um, mm. so what, what's been your, what's been your favorite form of communication since this whole lockdown COVID crisis has been happening? How's that sort of changed for you? 
I'm still doing email, but um, I'm starting to get more and more into like Teams um, and other communication platforms. Uh, I've been with Zoom for since the beginning, so this is not a new thing for me, and I love doing Zooms. Um, but are also those shiny new tools. There's Teams, there's other platforms out there. So, um, you know, I love the video communication. I think that that's the new, new way. Um, so that is another tool. There's so many tools. It's, it's, one of those, it's one of those crazy things too. I was just talking about this with my wife the other day, the whole video communication thing. Mm -hmm. Like her sister called her the other day, right? Called her like on the phone, like the legit audio phone thing. And yeah. my children thought it was broken, right? They were like, why, why can't we see her? Like, what, what's going on? Can she hear me? Like, how do we know she can hear me? We can't see her face, that kind of thing. Because, like, for our kids, video is, is the baseline. And I remember, like, when I was their age, video was science fiction, yeah. right? It wasn't a thing that happened. It was Star <laughs> Trek or James Bond. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, and it's funny because we live in sci-fi. Yeah, my little one, she's so technologically advanced, and you know, um, it, it's amazing. Um, now it's like if if you're not doing video, you literally have children that are not even in kindergarten yet, but they know how to do video chats with people and uh, record yeah, yeah. TikToks and stuff like that. It's amazing. My three-year-old knows how to FaceTime grandma. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say communication is definitely one of the tools. Uh, there's so many other tools, analytic tools, of course, in marketing. If you, if you're not looking at data, you're not seeing the true picture. Yeah, yeah, you're not, if you're, <laughs> yeah. if you're not measuring it. If you're not measuring it. You can't improve it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the true picture. It's just guesswork at that point. Um, that's not one of my favorite because I like it but it's a necessity. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just out of curiosity, how, how much of your life is dictated by your calendar? The majority of it. Um, yeah, the majority of it is dictated by a calendar. Um, it helps me keep- it's a, it's a very common thread that I've no, noticed among entrepreneurs is the calendar is generally, it's one of their everyday use that manages their whole life kind of tools. Yeah, it has to, because if not, you're going, you're going tangents and you'll get off out of focus. Um, you know, it, it has to, uh, and you'll, you'll be able to start if you start analyzing it, seeing where some of your time vampires are, because you'll say, well, wait a minute, I've been having all these meetings about nothing, or I've been doing all these things. And, and now my task list is a bunch of busy work. Um, so yeah, calendars are very important. And assistance that keep you on your calendar are also important. Um, having yeah. your assistant be like, hey, you know you have this uh, meeting coming up in, the, in a few minutes. Are you ready? Uh, that really helps too. Absolutely. Speaking of heroic tools, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about a tool we built that powers the Hero Show and is now this show's primary sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. 
I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. You're listening to The Hero Show, unlocking the power of influence and success. So I want to talk a little bit about your own personal heroes then, right? So every hero has their mentors, just like Frodo has Gandalf, or Robert Kiyosaki has his, men- has, has his rich dad, or Spider-Man has his Uncle Ben. Who are some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors? Were they speakers or authors, peers who are maybe a couple years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished in building your agency? Wow, that's great. I mean, I would say real-life heroes, I have, I have my... I, I call it rich uncle in a sense. Uh, I have an uncle that's successful in business um, that provides me a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom. Um, he doesn't invest in me, but he, he gives me investment in, in knowledge, which is still great. Um, I have uh, other marketers that I've met that little things that they do are just amazing and learning from their wins and learnings um has mentored me throughout it um so so that really really helps uh, i would say also there's a lot of unknown um the unknown heroes out there that mentor me that um are just in the business community just people like yourself and so forth that are doing it in the business community that keeps you whenever you're feeling like, I don't really feel like doing this today, you can kind of pull from and say, well, you know, I love hearing your story. You overcame this or or you're doing this very well. Um, and that makes me energized to say, how can I, you know, modify my game to increase my game to a better level? Uh, sort of like with athletes, certain athletes say that they play better when they're playing against better athletes. Um, so, mm-hmm. so those are really the ones um, I stay on podcasts, um, eBooks. Don't do books as much as I used to because I love doing videos and eBooks only so I can multitask. Um, but you know, learning from others, uh, I love listening to documentaries because I'm looking for the true story. I'm not looking for the media yeah. hype of it, the Instagram of it. I want to know, like, what did they really do? What did they really overcome? Who did they leverage? The true story. And I listen for that. You know, they, there's little things they'll say. And you'll be like, wait a minute. 
this is really where why you you know catapulted to this level of success it wasn't because you were doing this this and this it was because you aligned yourself with this person or you you know you adopted this method or you you know a lot of it has to do with those little behind the curtain wizards that you're like oh that was how you were successful and so i love learning from that so there's a lot of mentors and even some of my clients are mentors by learning from them of what they do what they don't do what worked what didn't work um yeah. you know those are the people i pull from yeah yeah makes a lot of sense and i always I always like hearing what people, other people's thoughts are on the heroes in their life because you realize, at least I have, that they're always, they're like, they're people that probably don't even know that you've had, that they've had an impact on your life, right? Yeah. And for me, it's always been like, it's that thought that, you know, I don't know who I'm going to impact. So perhaps I should always act in a way that I'm worthy of that, that title, right? That I'm worthy of the title of a hero. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's, that's one of the reasons why I asked that question. I always love that love to hear other people's answers. So talk about one last thing sort of as we wrap up this interview um, and it's your guiding principles, right? So it's one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He always brings them to Arkham Asylum. Um, so as we wrap up, I'm gonna talk about top one or two principles that you use regularly in your life. Maybe something you wish you had known when you first got started in your agency. I would say it, if you don't have a purpose, none of your profit is going to be enough. And that's one thing I had to realize. I mean, early on, it was such a money chase. I wanted to be rich and, and powerful. And I, I think one of the things that I realized is if you're doing it and you have no purpose besides the profits, then you, your profits will never be enough. Um, and um, the second I would say is being honest with yourself as a person and with a, as a business. Being truly honest to, to be a free thinker for yourself and say, this is what I believe and what works for me versus this is what I should believe and what everyone else says should work for me. Um, not saying not taking their opinions um, you know, in consideration, but at the end of the day, having um, the, I guess you would say, for, uh, the, 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 the having enough, that's the word I'm looking for, to say this is what works for me. This is what works for my business. Because everybody's journey is different. Until you hear the entire journey, you don't know that this person had a certain thing that made that work for them. Like I was saying earlier in this, you don't know that if you spend enough money, you can get a rep from the actual platform you're spending money on to actually help you optimize your ads. If everybody knew that, it would be a game changer. They say, oh, I only need to spend $10,000 a month and I can make sure my $10,000 a month will give me $100,000. Then I need to put 10,000 instead of 9,000 because 9,000 won't give me the rep and I'm doing it myself and making all these mistakes. So I think that yeah. being, you know, observant and saying, you know, this works for my business. I understand all the information to overload this out there, but I can say this is true, at least for us. 
this is true for me. And and that's that's one of the things I say will be a value that'll take you a long way. Um, because if you're always what I always say, chasing Amazon, you, you're not gonna win. A lot of people chase Amazon saying they want to be the next Amazon. But a lot of stuff you see right now, Amazon has not only done, but changed their model five, six, seven, ten years ago. You're, you're seeing what they did years ago now. You're not even seeing what they have coming out in the next six months or a year. And you're chasing the ghost of past. You can't win a race doing that. Yeah, yeah. And I love that uh, the concept too that you mentioned of of if if you don't have a purpose, the profits will never be enough. Because yeah. um, I'm I, I experienced that in my own life, right? So I remember when I, early in my career, I was like, I had a revenue number. I was like, I want to hit this revenue number. That's the magic gold revenue number, and that's everything in my life that I want, that I think I want. Um, and it was all about hitting that number. And it was funny. It was like on the way to that number. I realized that I didn't actually need all of that, yeah. right? That I had all the things that I wanted before I hit that number. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, what the hell is the point then, right? I already got what I wanted. Um, yeah. And so I had, I had to shift, right? I had to shift to, to an actual purpose, right? What is it that I actually want to do with my business and who do I want to help and how do I want to have a legacy for my family and for myself and like having that purpose. And then what's interesting is like, after making that shift to chasing the money, to chasing a purpose, chasing a legacy, I hit that number, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 you know, they say more money, more problems. And most people don't realize what that is. And they're like, oh, more money, more problems. And it's a catchy cliche, but it happens. The more money you have, if you don't have a purpose, you bring on that particular level of money problems. And you're not used to that level of the problem. For instance, a lot of people, if you hit the lotto, all of a sudden you got a problem of new tax problems you never had before. You have business opportunities that you know nothing about that you never were presented before that are trying to get in your money. You have friends that you never messed mess with, never knew, hung around, and all of a sudden are all in your business. You got new family members that never, you got all these people coming to you all the time that never used to come your way. And it's more money, more problem because you got more things you got to think about because you're protecting money that you never had and, and it becomes frustrating. You start to, you know, you start to get frustrated because you're like, but you have more money. You have a lot more money, but you have no purpose. There's nothing that you wanted to do but get rich. But you didn't understand rich people's problems and they have many. You know, they really do. You know, let's talk about business. We all wanted to be entrepreneurs, the boss, executives. But when you was an executive, executive problems are much different than staff member problems, aren't they? They are. <laughs> much different. You're, I know you're still being right up there year. with them. Yes. Until I became an executive, oh, the title was great. The salary was great. But the problems. It's more mental problems than physical problems. And you're like, oh, I got to think about, like you said, payroll. I got to think about that. I got to, and it's stuff that it's like, wow, this is more than I thought. They didn't tell me this in the manual. You yeah, know? yeah. I, I remember specifically when I worked for one of the companies, I was, I reported directly to the president and I was the head of the marketing department. 
And I remember him telling me at one point that he's like, my primary concern is I have a hundred families that if we don't make revenue numbers, starve. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. he's like, that's that's what weighs on my heart every day is I've got a hundred families that are are like their their wives and their children and their their livelihood is based on us thriving right yeah um and then he was like directly to me was like the marketing department is the front of that engine right you're the you're the beginning of that the whole train right yeah. um and everything follows behind what you're doing um and i remember like like as the marketing executive being like being not not that he was passing that responsibility to me but that he just wanted me to understand that like like that's part of the role that you have is that you drive you what you do drives this ship right mm -hmm. so like you know it's it's the engine right you, you know he's he's the captain but the marketing is the engine right it's the one yeah. that's driving the ship yeah. um and if and if it's not in tip-top shape we all go down <laughs> yeah and it's, and, it's, so. and, and, and it's hard when you start seeing people that you have become you know cordial with and you got to let them go because y'all aren't hitting numbers and it's like, we got budget cuts, we gotta let people go. That's a hard conversation. Knowing that yeah. they were depending on you it's and you- Different level of problems. Back. Yeah, yeah. And we, we look at TV and we look at you're fired as if that's like easy to say, you know, easy to do, but it's not, it really isn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that's a, uh, that's a really good wrap to our interview. Um, and uh, I, I do finish off every interview with something I call the Heroes Challenge. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's a simple little thing that I do um, as a selfish thing, right? To get me access to stories I might not otherwise find mm -hmm. on my own. So the question is simple. Do you have someone in your network or in your life that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Mm -hmm. Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with our audience here on The Hero Show? Oh, wow. I have so many. All right, so I'm going to run them down. So there's one, Marv Cox. She is a, she's with Yes Success. She is a marketing diva. And her story is a great story um, to have. Um, Avery Brooks, he's a mastermind behind a lot of these information marketers that you know. And his language is so exciting because he 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 mixes his terminology he'll he'll bring in terminology that's food related that's so exciting and um he's another um let me see who else um erica hill she's like a um motivator that helps you understand mindset we've had conversations all the time about mindset and i keep telling her that the average business and the average person don't really know what mindset is until they get a little bit advanced. They're looking at the end result. They're not looking at you change your mind. For instance, if you're talking about wealth, they want the money. They're not looking at you have to change your mind to get the money, change the way you do things to get yeah, the money. Yeah, They're like, we true. just want the money, <laughs> you know, but she is a great um, mindset uh, um, consultant. Man, the list awesome. can go on. So, 
<laughs> that's that's plenty. We can we can reach out afterwards and see if we can connect with uh, with those individuals and get them okay. on the show. Thank you so much for that. Um, and so the last sort of thing I want to do here with you is what I call the send off. Right in comic books, there's always the crowd of people who are cheering on and clapping for the acts of heroism for for the for the heroes. So as we close. Um, what I want to know from you is where people can find you if they want your help, right, in their business. So if they're one of those companies that's, uh, that needs help with their marketing, where can they go to light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, Jeff, I'd really like your help. And I think more importantly, who are the right types of companies to reach out and say, hey, you know what, Jeff, we really need your help? Sure. They can go to MrMarketology.com. That's M-R-M-A-R-K-E-T-O-L-O-G-Y.com. And um, they can reach out to me there. Um, like I said, I'm looking for companies that are looking to take their business to the next level that are already marketing, and they just need a better strategy and an understanding of where they're, I would say, falling short and how to understand their audience a little better and position themselves better. So, you know, that is, is companies, you know, I usually like innovative companies, companies that have a vision. Um, and it's not just, I want to make money. So, I mean, we all want to make money, but that can't be the vision. Yeah. Um, um, and then as far as other things, I'm actually building a community called marketologygroup.com to where I am uh, teaching different marketing strategies. So these will be actual strategies laid out from A to Z. And I have programs to where I can actually be your your guide. I don't like to say consultant or coaching that. I am actually your guide to where I'm walking you through the whole process and we are working together to build your strategy out. So that's um, ways that you can uh, get in touch with me and I would love to help you if, if you uh, have the need. Awesome. So um, if you're one of those people and you have a company like that, company with a vision, make sure you reach out to Jeff um, and say hi to him. Uh, um, tell me, tell him how you heard about him here on the Hero Show. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been a uh, fun and engaging conversation. Really appreciate that. Um, it's always fun when we have someone else on the on the line who's fun to talk to. Um, so, just sort of as we uh, wrap this before I hit this little stop record button, do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for our audience? Well, I, I think that you know you're doing well if you're doing. So keep continuing the market. Keep continuing to get out there and 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 really. That Wizard of Oz is so true. Look behind the curtain. Don't get caught up in all the smoke screens. And um, next time you see me opening my big mouth and get pushed out the windows talking about you figure it out and you see me fall and catch me. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jeff. Thank you for having me. It's been a real, real pleasure and a real blast. <laughs>